Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I have one of the best guys you could possibly get to know, Tyler Conroy. Tyler is, um, you know, a friend of mine. We kind of grew up together, kind of didn't grow up together. Uh, we played Little Loop football together when we were really young in South Buffalo and then uh, rekindled our relationship once we got to high, once we were in high school from playing lacrosse. So that's a little quick intro about Tyler, my guy. How are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Of course, I've I've been wanting to get you on because uh, uh, who was it? Louis slid in my DMs when I posted about you us doing this episode tonight, and he was just like the episode the people have been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I really it was after I listened to the uh, episode with Brandon and Adam, and I was like, man, I got to get on there. It was like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. So, um, do, do you like the shout out we gave you? Oh, yeah. I love the shout out. It's awesome. So, well, I mean, getting right into it, uh, we, you and I, we played uh, Little Little Football together when we were, what, like five, six years old, maybe? Yeah. So you were uh, center, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I was a, I was the guard and we played uh, for the South Buffalo Saints. And then it was, did you play Leprechauns too? Oh, yeah. I played all the way up. So I think it goes Saints, Leprechauns. Tigers and then Sh- Tigers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was I played all the way up till Shamrocks. And then I even played in uh, at Timon, too. So did you wasn't, uh, the, wasn't the best, though, tight end ever. But, you know. Did um was something was football like something that you always like playing or do you just play the same shit? So my dad was actually really big into football. Um, football wasn't even really my idea in the first place. Uh, my dad was always super involved with it. And um, everybody kind of always knew my dad at the football stadium because he was always carrying around like milk jugs full of like pennies. and. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Lungs. Um, he'd hand out like tiger towels at, at football games. And so it was a real big thing for him. And so that's kind of what led me into playing football. And my brothers had played football growing up. Um, And it really did end up shaping a lot of kind of the way that I, uh, who I am today and and the way that I look at the world, really. Yeah, now kind of going, I mean, before we get into it, your dad, um, for obviously people that don't know you, your dad is a military guy, but... um, your dad is one of the most down to earth and like funniest and like kind of like anytime you're around him, he's always just looking to have a good time and looking at the positive things in life. So unless you specifically knew him or knew you, I don't think he gives us that impression that like I was in the military. So with that being said, like obviously military, it's a super, super disciplined um, field and there's a purpose to everything the you have to be where you need to be. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to the mil- I've never been in the military, but from friends I have that are in the military, and then obviously like people like your dad and stuff that I've talked to, that's kind of like what it you know a big part of the military is discipline. And you know, someone something that we talked about kind of before we started recording was all the things that you've done in life. For me personally, from knowing you for so long, I felt as though that you are an extremely detail-oriented and disciplined person, which has allowed you to do a lot of things in life. Is that something that your dad is instilled in you? Or was that something that you kind of just witnessed 
witnessed obviously with him being your father and you're like okay that's all I know so I'm going to do that for what I want to do in life yeah so I think that um, a lot of it does stem from my dad and he was a very regimented person um, and I obviously always looked up to him as a role model of mine growing up and um, you know even when I was a little kid I can I can remember it's kind of funny. I haven't talked about the story in forever, but I can remember um, he used to, I used to have a few friends in the neighborhood when I was a kid. And um, for fun, we would dress up as like army people and we would go and do like literally go to the park and we would just do like army routines and stuff. And so he, he loved the military. It was like a big part of who he was. And um and so, yeah, I think I, I, I developed a lot of my structure and discipline from him um, from a really, really young age. And then he was always really big into sports, too. Um, and I think a lot of it was because he didn't necessarily play uh, many sports in, like, high school and stuff. So he knew that that's something that he wanted his children to do. Um, and so that's when, he, when I got involved with football and when I got involved with lacrosse, too, uh, from a pretty early, uh, early age. And I think just training in, in, those, in those sports helps to create a pretty good discipline and structure um, at a young age. So. Yeah, and um, going off that, when I had uh, DeMillo on, um, we were talking about, which he absolutely agreed with, was how sports are the biggest, one of the biggest metaphors in life. Do you feel that way? Are one of the biggest metaphors? Yeah, like it's one of the biggest metaphors for life because everything that you have to do um, to be good at a sport or get to an elite level, like how he played at Maryland, is mm-hmm. it comes with a lot of discipline. It comes with a lot of training. It comes with a lot of hard work and it comes with like intense purpose because like, I mean, we both know from playing at Hobart together that no one that was on that team was there just because they were like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Hobart to be a student. And then I feel like playing lacrosse. So I'm going to go play lacrosse. Like every kid that was, that played with us obviously got there through like hard work and discipline. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you have to be, there's no other way to do it. Um, if you want to get good at anything, I, I remember growing up, um, I used to, the way that I got decent at lacrosse growing up was I used to play wall ball all the time. And so I used to go down to St. Thomas Aquinas and I would just throw and I would do, I think I did like a hundred, maybe a hundred on my right hand and then a hundred on my left hand. And I do that like every day after school just to develop your stick skills. And you just got to do that constantly over time. And it just kind of like builds on itself. Um, and, and, you know, it's not easy to, for other people to, um, for, you know, to, to stick to some type of regimen like that. But if you want to be good at any type of sport, I feel like you need to be able to um, have that discipline. So. Um, and do you find, do you feel as though that people that don't play sports um, at all whatsoever, that that is, it puts them, how do I want to say this? It? like, it doesn't give them that uh, insider advantage that people that do play sports have, like, because w- when you play sports from a young age, like, you have to face adversity. You aren't always going to be the best. Um, your parents may tell you that you're the best. Then you go out there against the team and you get your fucking ass kicked. You get punched in the mouth. And mm-hmm. then you like have to question like, oh, fuck. Like, do I, do I really want this? Is this really for me? 
Um, and you kind of have to cultivate that, like, I don't know what the word is, but like, okay, there's a, there's a brick wall in front of me. I have to, I have to figure out how to get to the other side rather than just being like, and this isn't for me. So I feel as though that's what sports does. And I feel as though that like being put onto that at such a young age, it helps you in life quicker than it would if you didn't like, what is your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely a, uh, it helps people that are trying to um, overcome adversity and it definitely helps you to, you know, be strong and pull through uh, difficult, difficult things that you experience in your life. Um, I think it translates a lot, especially into like uh, once you start working in a career, you know, um, when I first started working in sales, I find that sales is actually very similar to working as an athlete. You know, you have to, you have to have your own schedule, you know, and you have to stick to that and you have to kind of train yourself over time and get better and better. And you face a lot of rejection and you, uh, but you, you kind of over time figure out ways to get around and to be better at sales and to, you know, build on your communication skills with people. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think that there's other ways to do it other than sports too. I wouldn't say that it's just sports alone. Um, there's plenty of other ways that you can develop your skills to, you know, work on overcoming adversity, but sports was how I did it, you know, um, and how uh, you did it as well. No, hundred percent. That's exactly how I did it. So that's why I, uh, I'm curious what you had to say now going into a little bit more about you. Um, yeah. you were, I mean, you were a super, I wouldn't, you know, say super smart, but like you were a mix of being really smart and then being disciplined with your schoolwork and that led you to getting into a good college and then, you know, getting college paid for and stuff like that. Um, was playing college lacrosse something you always wanted to do or did you pursue it because you knew that it could get you, it could get you a scholarship or like what, what was it that made you want to be a student athlete? Yeah. So I, I would say that I, I enjoyed lacrosse and I thought it was fun um, to play but I wouldn't say that I had the passion that somebody like like Adam, for example, had when it came to playing lacrosse. Um, for me, it was a lot more about scholarships and, um, you know, basically helping my parents financially to get me to go to college and stuff. And uh, that was the biggest motivator for me, um, which is also, you know, a lot of the reason why I ended up at, uh, like, Air Force for a while. Um but yeah, I think that um, lacrosse was always kind of something that I enjoyed, and it was something that my brothers had always done growing up, and so I always knew that I, um, you know, I was, and I was pretty, I was decent at lacrosse. I wasn't, you know, one of the best players out there, but um, I, I enjoyed it, and I figured that it would be a fun thing to, you know, try out in college was because uh, I know just obviously personally from knowing you, I know that you had a couple looks from uh, like Syracuse, North Carolina, a couple of those big time mm -hmm. schools. Did you ever have the um, notion that it's just like, oh, I want to go to this name brand school? Or were you solely like wherever I get the most money is where I'm going? Yeah. So how it actually ended up going was I had originally committed to go to Air Force. And so I was in the Air Force. And I was uh, in basic training, and this was back in 2012, 
Um, and I had realized after being in the Air Force that I absolutely did not want to be there. Um, it just really wasn't for me. And I actually was probably one of the worst cadets you could you could imagine <laughs> um, in the entire academy. Like people would come up to me and be like, they would like know me. It's like, oh my God, you're you're Tyler Conrad. Huh? So I used to. This is a funny story. A little bit of a side uh, side note. When I was in the academy, so you have to go through basic training first. And I used to get in so much trouble at basic training because I wasn't following the rules that I had to sit with all of the squadron leaders in the cafeteria. And these dudes just used to let me have it like all day long. They'd just be yelling at me. It was, it was nuts. But I mean, I was, and, and eventually I was just like, you know, maybe this isn't, isn't the route I wanted to go. Um, the lacrosse team was great and everything was great about the uh, Air Force lacrosse team, but Ultimately, I told my parents, you know, I think I want to come uh, back to New York and be a little bit closer to home. And uh, and that's when the Hobart coach reached out to me, actually. And um, at the time, it was TW. And TW said that he wanted me to come play and that he'd be willing to hook me up with, you know, some scholarship money uh, to do so. So that's when I jumped on it. And, um, yeah, it was pretty much it's pretty much uh, history from there. I didn't know much about Hobart, to be honest, um, going into it. I didn't know any, really anything at all. Uh, I just knew that it was a, a well-reputable school and uh, actually that Sean Murphy had went to school there in the past because he was the only other person I knew from uh, Bishop Tynan that went there. Yeah, when we – actually, it's funny you said that because when we had a scrimmage at Tiff, and you know how Burke is. Burke's like, oh, this dude's fucking sick. <laughs> like, um, how, how Burke talks. But, and he said that. He's like, oh, Sean Murphy, he played at Hobart. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Like, what's Hobart? And yeah. it's funny because when TW called me, um, recruiting me, I had no idea what Hobart was either. I was like, sure, I'll go on a visit. Like, I don't know where this school is. But, like, and it wasn't <laughs> until, like, I got to campus that I was like, oh, I'm like, it's D1. Like, they play legit teams, shit like that. And I didn't even know how you um, – I didn't even know how you uh, got ended up getting a Hobart. I just knew that the Air Force Academy didn't work out for you. But I never knew, like, what the actual story was behind, like, you getting there. Yeah. Everyone thought I was super hardcore, too, when I, when I first arrived at Hobart because I was uh, from the Air Force Academy. They thought I was going to be, like, a huge hardo. But uh-huh. – case well dude i remember freshman year after we had those like you know welcome week where you got to do the service projects and all that yeah yeah i remember it was me you and someone else i don't remember we were just going to get put up some shots play some wall ball and stuff like that and I remember you were having us do this military pyramid workout where it was just like you do <laughs> where it was like push-ups, sit-ups, and squats. And I forget who was with us, but whoever was with us was like, yo, like fuck this army guy. <laughs> Dude, I actually still have that workout regimen, and it's one of the best that I've ever done ever. Dude, I couldn't it got to a point where I couldn't even do a push-up. I was like, yo, you have to so you're hard. like, yeah, we had to do that's what you said. You're like, in basic, we had to do this every single day. And that one kid was like, I forget. I, I got to figure out who it was. But um, I honestly can't remember. But they were just like, yo, like when we were like walking back to the locker room. You were in front of us. They were right next to me. And they're like, yo, fuck this kid. 
<laughs> no, I mean, dude, the the basic that basic training was like the best shape I'd ever been in in my entire life, and like we would just be, they would just like be waking us up at like four o'clock in the morning, and we would just go for like mile long runs through like the mountains. It was insane. It was, it was like no other experience, but, um, but I was like, yeah, I, I definitely can't do this for four, four, not me. <laughs> what was, what, like, obviously you touched on it a little bit, but like, what was your day-to-day like when you were in basic in the Air Force? Because, you know, before you get into it, knowing you the way I do, I can, and I don't mean this in a negative way, because it's probably the same as if I told you I was going to the military, like, I just can't picture you doing that, which ultimately you didn't do it. But like, what, what is that day to day like for, for someone listening that doesn't know? Yeah, so it was kind of like, so we would wake up. And um, so we would wake up to like, alarms, like they would have like, um, you know, like horns or whatever going off. And like, this was when we were training outdoors because like a portion of it is indoors and then a portion of it's outdoors. But anyway, um, when we were outdoors, basically we would wake up and we'd be like, we kind of had like a tent that we stayed in and they would just wake us up with like horns, like literally right at like four in the morning. And then everybody would meet up um, and we would do, uh, we'd kind of like get into like our different squadrons and then we would go to breakfast in the morning. Um, and then after breakfast, we would do a lot of uh, training uh, around like military things, like how, how to mar- properly march and, you know, um, how to properly like hold a gun and how to, um, we even learned how to shoot guns for a while, which was pretty crazy because I had never shot in a gun at that time. And I was terrible <laughs> at it. Like you do a desktop. Um, couldn't even hit the target. Couldn't even hit the target. Um, so yeah, just like all kinds of different drills and like uh, stuff like that. We did a lot of training too, like exercising. Um, yeah, and then basically, I mean, a, a lot of it was um, not only like physical, but you also had to do a lot of studying. So you like had a handbook that you had to like memorize all of these different. Um, you know, rankings and all these different military terms. And, um, and then you were like kind of quizzed on it throughout the day by a lot of your um, commanders and, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a fun experience. Like looking back on it, it's kind of like just funny to think about. And uh, I'm actually still pretty good friends with some of the guys that I used to, um, I used to be in uh, the training with the, the basic training, but Ultimately, yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of realized that it was something that I, um, you know, it, it wasn't what I was passionate about. I think more or less I went into the Air Force Academy because of lacrosse more than anything. And I realized, you know, after the fact that I was more interested in having kind of a traditional experience um, for myself in terms of college. Yeah. Now, what you were saying about being um passionate about it was like do you think just because um just from uh just from like my perspective on things is that i when do you think that how do i want to ask this um pretty much like when do you in your opinion at least when do you think it's i need to stick this out a little bit longer or just this just isn't for me do you think that comes down to self-awareness of like who you are as a person or what is it because i find 
is though that there's things where I'll be doing it for like a day or two and I'm just like, fuck that, this ain't me. Whereas, but I just know based on, I, like I've always known myself, I've always been pretty like self-aware of who I am as a person. Whereas I feel as though with some other people, they don't do that because they feel as though they need to give it a little bit longer of a time. But then they look back and they're like, I just wasted time because I knew from day one, this wasn't for me. So like, what is your thought on that? Yeah, I think it, it depends on what, what the activity is uh, that you're talking about. I mean, something like a school or something like a career, I would give it a year. Like a year is really not all that long in your in the in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's enough time to actually figure out whether um, it is something that's going to work or not. And that's kind of how I've always how I approached um, going to Hobart. Honestly, when I, I remember when I had first went there, that I was um, I didn't really I didn't really like it all that much my first year, and my parents were kind of you know, encouraging me to just stick it out for a year because they were like, yeah, you know, you know, it's just one year. It's not, it's not all that long. Um, and so, yeah, I think anything. And after that, you know, I ended up actually liking Hobart a lot. Um, and I really enjoyed my experience there and I'm happy I got the chance to go there. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my thought on that. What is uh what was your experience like when you were uh, at Hobart as a lacrosse player before we get into like the student aspect of it? Because you didn't you what what was the reason that you stopped playing? You fucked your back up, right? Yeah, so I had um, I was starting to have kind of back back issues going on, and so that was probably the main reason why. Um, and I figured that I would just kind of dedicate my time more or less to just studying. Uh, 100% because I was pretty passionate about what I was studying at the time. I was um, an economics major and I was really enjoying it. And I dedicated a lot of my time to, um, yeah, just basically to academics altogether. Um, but yeah, work as a student athlete, I mean, it's a full-time job. Like when you're, <laughs> I mean, you are waking up in the morning super early usually going to training, you know, lifting weights or something, or you're, you know, doing running and then you're in class. And then after class, you're at practice and then you're at practice all the way until it's dark out. And then you're in the library and going to bed. Like that was my routine. And I did that every single day. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And I have a lot of respect for people who, uh, who are student athletes because it's tough. Do you, uh, do you think that any, well, has there been anything from playing at Hobart that you've been able to take from that structured like regimen to apply to like what you're doing in real life today? And if and think to yourself, Hey, if like, if I didn't have, if I didn't have that experience playing lacrosse and like, you know, in the, you know, waking up early, because ultimately like there was days where we had 5 AMs and it was like, okay, if you don't have class at eight, like then you're hitting the weight room. And then it's like, it kind of is like a full-time job in and of itself in the aspect of you're up at 5 AM. And by the time that you go to bed after studying and everything like that, it's almost like 11 o'clock midnight. Do you think that having that structure and regimen like made it easier for you in the real world after college or, or no? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like in real life, 
you know, you're always juggling multiple things at once. And so for me, when I had graduated from Hobart, um, I started working in finance and I worked as a financial advisor initially. Um, and I was also at the same time studying to become a certified financial planner. Um, and so it is a, it's a pretty difficult exam. It takes several years to study for. And so I would, uh, you know, have to be able to have the discipline to, after I was done working, you know, close my computer and then just go to the library and study, you know, all night long. And then, you know, basically, um, go home and do it all over again. Um, uh, and it, and it definitely, you know, it, it was difficult for sure during those, um, during those years that I was studying. Luckily I passed, I passed last year. And so I'm not doing that as much anymore, but yeah, I think if I wouldn't have had the discipline, it would have been hard. And I see a lot of people in, you know, uh, that are advisors that push those things off, um, you know, uh, getting designations and, um, you know, doing other things to kind of sharpen their skills and their careers. Um, but I knew it was just something that I wanted to get done. Um, and you said that you were passionate about what you were doing as like studying, like you were studying econ and stuff like that. Did, did you always know that that's what you wanted to do? Or like, how did you figure out what you wanted to do from so young? Because I feel like you've always known what it is like you've been passionate about, interested mm -hmm. in and like wanted to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the fun stuff for me. Um, I am really passionate about uh, anything money related, really. Um, and I think that so I, I if I would have been able to study personal finance, I would have done it at Hobart. Um, since Hobart is a liberal arts school, they only have um, you know, more of the arts, right? So uh, the closest thing that you come to studying money in the arts is uh, economics. And so that's uh, why I decided to get into economics is because I figured, you know, I wanted to know how to make money. I wanted to know why some people have money and some people don't have money. I wanted to know, um, you know, uh, just kind of in general, what, um, you know, how, how markets worked, like how the stock market worked, how, um, you know, the economy functioned. They were all things that I had never really known anything about. And to be honest, nobody really teaches those things throughout your entire life, right? Like even when you're in high school, you don't ever really learn about those things. Um, so yeah, I decided to dive in and economics was really interesting. It's kind of the study of the behavior of, um, people with money or like the psychology of money. And, um, and then I knew that after graduating, I, you know, I had this degree in economics and I wanted to put it to use by helping other people with managing their own money. Uh, and that's what I, so that's what I decided to do. It's kind of a, I went about in a roundabout way doing it, but um, right now I work as a financial planner primarily helping like high net worth clients with um, reaching their financial goals. It's pretty much what I do. What, um, cause before you got into that, you said that you've always had a passion for money. What, mm -hmm. what, what, I mean, I completely agree with you. I didn't really have a passion for it until I got, I would probably say until I got to Mercyhurst, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say that I've always been money hungry, but I've always been kind of like on the same wave of thinking that you have of like, yo, how do some people have money? How do others don't? Um, and then how do people that are not pro athletes, how do they have money like pro athletes? Like how do they invest? Where do they invest? Where does an idea, like how does someone see an idea and be like, okay, that's going to make a lot of money one day. I'm going to invest in it in the early stages. And then other people be like, no, nah, that's a bullshit idea. And then, and, um, so w- was there something specifically that kind of put you on to like, I want to study this, or was it just a random thought you had one day and you ran with it? Or did, was there a role model or someone that kind of like opened your eyes to the whole aspect of money and personal finance? Yeah, I think, I think that my growing up, my childhood had a pretty big impact on me in, in terms of um, my relationship with money. And a lot of it came from the fact that I grew up in a community of people that didn't really have much money, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so, yeah, I mean, uh, for people who don't know too much about, um, like, Felt Buffalo, it's very, like, kind of um, blue-collar community. And um, I just felt like a lot of times, um, a lot of times people were living paycheck to paycheck in, uh, you know, around me. And I had wondered, you know, why is it that, in other communities, it's totally different. You know, like when I had attended uh, Hobart, it was like, I was almost like culture shocked. Uh, <laughs> how, <laughs> how much money like these people had and these people like, and it was like, literally, it just really fascinated me. I don't know why, I don't know what it is about it. But um, so I knew that that's what I just wanted to study. And I wanted to figure, figure out I wanted to figure it out and I wanted to learn more about it. And I'm, you know, I'm happy that I did because, you know, it's pretty complicated. And I felt like if you could kind of get your, if you could understand money at least, then you could go on and do whatever it is that you want to do with your life, right? Like if you are truly financial independent and you know how to, you know, operate things, um, you can actually go on to do things that you're really passionate about, you know, and that's so that's was kind of my thought process growing up. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you because um, it wasn't until like I picked my major solely based on money. Like I originally wanted to be an attorney just because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, attorneys make good money. And then I've always been interested in law and then I've always been interested in like how you can use your words to construct an argument or form an argument and then just be just based on how you structure your argument and your sentence within that argument you can really sway and persuade people so like from those two aspects I was super um super into it but then to your point I was completely culture shocked when I went to Hobart and I saw how much money like those kids had where like you look at like the freshman dorms date JPR and you just see Benzes and, and BMWs. And you're just like, you're just like, yo, what the fuck? And I, dude, I remember so like, so taken back by it. And then like, you know, like how kids dress there, like it'll be a random Monday for class kids showing up in khakis and a collared shirt. (laughs) Whereas like, we're like, and it's like, like, I remember Frank mentioned it the one time how like, if you wore jeans, people are like, what are those? And it's like, well, what do you fucking mean? Like they're jeans. <laughs> like you don't wear jeans. Um, 
but that kind of put me onto the whole aspect of money and kind of talking with like parents and alumni and stuff like that. You kind of, um, I don't know how you feel about this. And this kind of like leads into what we're going to talk about next is that you kind of realize that not that school doesn't purposely teach you about money, but like it, it's, it's like, it, I feel as though that if you needed school to become successful and you need a business school to have a lot of money, that there would be way too many successful people because there are a ton of people, as I'm sure you know, because you're a financial manager, that have a shit ton of money, but necessarily don't have the education that leads to having that type of money. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that either you've learned or things that, you know, you've been put onto that you believe schools should be teaching us? Um, Because I personally don't believe they, they teach you shit about anything when it comes to money in school. But then again, even if they did, 90% of us wouldn't even listen in the first place. But with that being said, what are some things you've either learned through your work or you've been put onto through mentors and stuff that you believe should just be universal and they should be teaching it at, at every level? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of unfortunate because I feel like schools a lot of times are set up more or less to as like job pipelines for like companies uh, more than anything. And it's kind of unfortunate because I think it is like a really good opportunity to um, teach people about life skills. You know, like there's, there's a lot of important life skills that I felt like I didn't get taught um, growing up. And, um, you know, if I had to list like some that I think are pretty important, um, I'll start with the basics, budgeting, you know, like it seems simple, um, but I I deal with clients on a day-to-day basis, even pretty wealthy clients, and a lot of people don't know how to budget properly. Um, And so if you don't know how to budget, you don't know what's coming in, and you don't know what's going out. Um, And that makes it really difficult to accumulate any type of meaningful wealth over time. Um, I also think that investing is really important. So having some type of education, education courses around investing, the basics of investing, what's a stock, what's a bond, what's a mutual fund, um, you know, what is diversification, and teaching people how to just get started, I think is really important uh, life, life skill to have, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if you can't manage your money, you're, you're pretty much, I feel like, you're you're just kind of swimming, but you're not getting anywhere. You know what I mean? No, I completely agree. And I personally, um, I well, personally believe buying that, for, like, you know, the work that you do. Oh yeah, I mean, we could we could have a whole another podcast just about <laughs> that in and of itself because the amount of the amount of times that like when I'm you know showing a house or I'm about to do a deal for a first time home buyer where they're like, I didn't know my credit needed to be this. I didn't know I needed this much saved. I didn't know that my debt to income ratio had to be this. And like Mm -hmm. all these other things that I'm just like, like, cool, I get it. History is important. But what the fucking Vikings were doing in the medieval times has no relevance to me providing for my family. So like, can you teach us something else? Like that's, that's kind of like, and you laugh because you know, that's like, I'm not saying that in like a, trying to be funny way like I'm being serious (laughs) but um one thing that um I personally like kind of get annoyed by and like I've always said that I think college is a a scam 
And what I mean, it's a scam. I'm not saying that it's not, it doesn't teach you things. It's not valuable because I don't think that I would have the opportunities and be where I am if it wasn't for school and it wasn't for college. Mm -hmm. But what I mean by it's a scam is I think that it's fucking crazy how we have 18, 19, 20 year olds. You kind of are like, hey, pick something that you want to study and focus on for like the next 20 to 30 years of your life. And for like you said, like you wanted to get school covered um, by lacrosse to help your parents out. That was my same motivation, because yeah. if I didn't get school covered, I'd probably be going to ECC or community college, which that's not bad. It's just financially, no. I wouldn't be able to afford anything. So coming full circle with this is that it's I feel as though that there's not enough conversation on wait a second, you're not getting a scholarship, you're not getting a grant, you're not going athletic scholarship either. Maybe you should take a year or two off to really figure out what you want to do. Try a bunch of internships because as you know, and I'm sure you can pick it up off this, is degrees are becoming more and more, I don't want to say worthless, but they're becoming less in value because you have more kids going to school. And then when kids graduate, what the cost is for those four years, you're not even like just the cost of college for one year. Most people that get masters and stuff like that don't even get that as a starting salary. So (laughs) you're accumulating all this debt. And as we know, as of right now, student loans, there's no student loan forgiveness. So, and those loans you have until the day you die. So I feel as though just from personal experience, then obviously having business mentors and then talking to people like yourself is a lot of people don't know that if you just have a compounded interest fund or a retirement fund of some sort, you really only need to put two, three, four, maybe $500 a month into that to set yourself up with a fat retirement 20 to 30 years down the line. But a lot of people are paying that specific number in student loans every year. And for people that have 100K or more, it cripples them on setting up a future in the future. So like, what is your take on, you know, pretty much everything I just mentioned? Yeah, no, I think you, um, I think you're right. I I think that um, a lot of people, a lot of people just kind of go to college because they think that that's the, uh, you know, next step. And and I'm not saying that um, college isn't valuable. I I certainly think that college is very valuable. Me too. Um, But there are a lot of other types of routes that you could go. You can do, um, you know, certain trades and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, I think that, yeah, people need to evaluate the um, invest because essentially what you're doing is it's an investment, right? You're, you're trying to invest money into education and then hopefully get a return on that investment. And I wish that people would look at it a little bit more like an investment um, than anything, um, because then they can kind of evaluate whether it actually is worth it for them or not in their particular situation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of um, going off of that, because I like how you said investment, what is, and I know this is kind of, and it's not a, a fair question to ask because everyone ha- comes from a different circumstance. Everyone is being faced with a cir- different circumstance. But for me personally, um, getting school covered when I graduated my mom told me she was just like hey like if you want to you know move you want to hop around for a little bit and figure out you know what you actually want to do and 
you want to go work for people in different cities just to learn from them. Now is the time to do it because you don't have student loan debt, whereas a lot of your friends do. So you essentially are getting an imaginary check for the four years of what school is. So you're playing with house money. So you can, you know, if you want to spend 20,000 traveling or you want to spend 20,000 investing, like that, that is money that uh, is like house money. So like what I did was, I looked at it from the perspective of like, okay, how did I get good at lacrosse? I got good by playing with Timon, which was filled with D1 talent across the board. Like you had you, JB, DeMillo, Connor Field, Brian Sullivan, um, even though he wasn't there when I played with them, but like Chris Kane and like, you know, Pat Maloney played at Mercier's, but he definitely could have played D1 anywhere. So, um, so like with that being said, I took, I took my experience from sports and I said, you know what? If I want to be in business, if I want to be an investor, I want to own and run multiple businesses one day. If I want to um, be, you know, have like a real estate empire, I don't think that I'm going to be able to do that by learning from people in Buffalo. So I'm like, you know what, I need to go other places. And, you know, when I was in Boston, I maybe made, I maybe made like, uh, I would say like three grand total the year that I was in Boston and I was living off of my savings. Obviously that's why I said like everyone's different because like I had a savings I could do that from doing real estate. Um, and a lot of my friends were like, you're fucking crazy. Like you're, you're not working. You're just working for free. Um, and you know, I did that in Denver and pretty much everywhere I've been, I've done that. But looking back on it, I wouldn't be able to put a price tag on all that experience and everything I've learned and everything that I have learned through mentors and stuff like that. So, but I always looked at it as like an investment in my future versus like most people they're like, Oh, I graduated. I want to find a job that is paying me the most amount right now so I could travel and do all those things. So in terms of that and like investing in yourself, what is your whole idea on, you know, taking the money later, taking the experience now? Yeah, no, I think that you really do have to, at least initially when you're outside, when you're getting out of school, you need to start to make some um, decisions about how to, how to properly allocate your time and get the experience that you need in order to set yourself up for success down the road. Um, and so there have been situations in my own career where I have taken jobs that are that don't pay as well um, in order to learn more. So, for example, um, I was working as a consultant at Schwab for a while, um, Charles Schwab, and consultants make quite a bit of money. And it's a sales job, so it is a bit high pressure, um, but you can make a lot of money in commissions on it. Um, if you're, if you're good at talking with people and, um, communicating. And so I had the option to go that route. Um, but I was more passionate about planning and I was more passionate about learning, um, the actual learning kind of like the nitty gritty of, uh, finance of financial planning. And so that is what, and it's a little bit more academic. So I decided to actually kind of shift gears and go that route. Um, even though it does, you don't make as much money, but my thought process is I learned so much in the job that I'm in right now 
um, that this information is very valuable, you know, um, and it will become more valuable down the road um, as I continue to uh, learn more about, um, you know, more more advanced financial planning. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, you kind of have to like make those calculated decisions as you're going throughout your career, I feel like. Um, and it sounds like you did the same thing with with yours. Yeah, well, I well for me it was always like nine to five. Like I like I just knew that like the whole idea of, and for people that do work nine to fives, like it, that's great. I'm not shitting on them, but I'm saying like just being self aware and like who I am and knowing like what I do like and don't like um, is like I just knew that the nine to be nine to five just wasn't for me. Like I just knew that from a young age. So like me wanting to be around entrepreneurs, business people, business mentors and stuff that I always knew that. So I'm just like, you know what, like, I don't have any debt. So I don't have to pay, you know, X amount every year in student loans, like I can use that on a potential investment in the future. So, you know, and I've had conversations with Frank, where he said to me before, he's just like, dude, he's like, how the fuck do you know all this stuff about business and investing and stuff like that? He goes, you know, you're pretty smart. And I'm like, I'm not smart though. I just ask people who are successful questions like, Hey, mm -hmm. how did you, if you don't mind me asking, like, I know you're an accountant or I know you're an attorney, but how outside of that, do you make money passively? Do you have any types of investments or what, if I wanted to retire by 50, what would I like, what would that, that path look like? Or if I wanted to retire by 30, what would that path look like? And kind of just from, interview not interviewing people but just by asking questions and going and treating like I, the big thing was is like I would reach out to CEOs and other successful business people and I straight up and was just like hey like I'll treat you to dinner I will uh, I'll wash your car like I'll take you to a cup of coffee like I just want to you know like ask you a couple questions and pick your brain and nine times out of ten people that are successful they love to talk about themselves and they love to hear themselves talk so it was like an easy way for me to collect a lot of information from people. And then from there, I kind of pieced, pieced together um, the puzzle of just like, okay, this is where I think I should go based on the little, the clues that these people are leaving me. Um, and the only reason I did that is because, you know, and we're not going to get into it because <laughs> we said we weren't, but like just a lot of the experiences that we've had um, you and me together it, it involved going out, taking vacations and getting wild. So I felt as though like, okay, college was the time to do that. Now that I'm entering the real world, I need to figure out what I'm doing so that I don't get to 30. And I'm like, fuck, I just wasted my twenties. Yeah. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I think it becomes really important to have like mentors, especially early on. It sounds like that's what you're kind of alluding to but yeah having somebody that you can learn from and that you kind of designate and, and, and it doesn't even have to be like career-wise either it could be um you know personally or spiritually um just having some type of mentor or older figure that is more wiser than you that you can learn from i feel like is super important especially early on yeah because a lot of guys that and it's funny because a lot of guys that are um you know guys and girls because there are some mentors i have that are women and it's funny is that like a lot of them are have their hands in multiple things. Like they're either running multiple businesses, they're investing in real estate, investing in all different forms of things. And they have multiple streams of income. Anytime I've brought up to them being like, Hey, I'm thinking about relocating and moving. They have never once said to me like, well, dude, when you, you know, 
maybe you know have you ever thought about settling down one day have you ever thought about having a family like that's never the conversation it's always like okay what's your point you're young go do it and then report back to me and they were always saying how it was just like our generation is so like instantly gratification that it's just like we kind of like don't make take those risks because like we're so focused on money 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 and like not having to work and retirement that we actually that that becomes worse for us in the long run is like by not taking risk and just being like i'm gonna go figure out what this is about like do you feel that way yeah i mean i think that um i think you have to make calculated risks you know what i Mm -hmm. mean um yeah so you have to just be cautious about uh you know what types of risks you are taking and it's and it depends on i feel like the specific situation that you're in Um, yeah like for example there was definitely a risk for me like moving across the country you know i I was just going to bring that up next yeah and and you know i think you have to really um you have to really think about like okay is this a place because before I was, I was working originally, um, you know, I basically graduated from school and I was working at Charles Schwab and they had an opportunity to work on the West Coast, like a position opened up in the branch uh, on the West Coast in the Portland office. And, you know, it was risky because the West Coast is really expensive. And, but I thought of, I tried to think it through and I figured that the experience that I would get while working there would be worth that risk um, of, of moving out here on my own. And for me, it was, you know, but I think it depends a lot on the specific situation that someone's in. Did you um, move out to Portland? Cause you were just like, fuck it. Like I've never been out West before. I'm just going to go check it. Or like, what was, cause I remember you texted me when you got the opportunity and you're just like, yo, like, what what are you thinking and i remember chicago was one of them new york city boston so you know with that being said like finance obviously you when you think of finance you think of like the bigger hub cities like a new york city a chicago a boston what what was it specifically that led you to portland over one of those big cities yeah so for me it was always like I'd always wanted to live on the West coast and I, what I think drew me to it was like the lifestyle that people live on the West coast. Like a lot of times I feel like on the East coast, there is a culture around like working all the time. Like everyone's constantly working, like always really trying to work really hard. And then, but on the, west coast i feel like people are trying to genuinely just enjoy like life and like living and 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 i and i wanted to try that out you know i wanted to see what it was actually like to live on the west coast um and i looked at a few cities and i looked at la and i had heard horrible stories about it just being super expensive and people being very superficial so i was like you know that's a horrible gen- generalization to make about a population but I was just like I don't think I'm going to try out LA um San Francisco was too expensive I would have loved to visit there um but it was just too way too expensive I think it's like one of the most expensive cities in the world to be honest with you yeah um 
but then so that basically leaves you with the other two major cities are Portland and Seattle. Um, so I applied for both branches actually to work in both the Seattle and Portland branch. And I ended up um, really heading it off with the Portland branch manager. Um, and so that's kind of how I decided to, I, I, a lot of it was kind of based on that relationship. Um, and I decided to move forward with Portland and Portland's nice because it is a city that is very outdoorsy too. So I was also looking for somewhere where I could like, you know, be 30 minutes and be just doing a sick hike or like, you know, be 30 minutes and you're at the, the coast or something like that. And so it was kind of like that perfect mixture of like city life, outdoors. Um, and honestly, I, I, I really do love it out here. I, I mean, I wish you would come out here soon. No, I'm definitely going to come. Yeah, I'm definitely going to come visit you uh, for sure. I've never been to Portland before. I've been out west, but I've never been to Portland before. Um, we tried to but, get going, but unfortunately, the fires ended up happening. <laughs> COVID. Well, dude, you're um, uh, what was he going to say? Kind of. I mean, if you want to bring it up, don't want to bring it up. But uh, you, last time I saw you, you said that you're cold turkey now. Like you don't, you know, you don't, you don't drink anymore. Was that like a health decision or not that you were a degenerate or anything? Cause you weren't, but like, <laughs> but I <won't>. <laughs> <laughs> no, like what, um, what, what's that decision about? Was that just a health situation? I'm not, I'm not asking that yeah. from like a, a chirping you standpoint. I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So yeah, I totally am 100% sober. I don't even drink caffeine um, anymore. Really? And, yeah, no, I mean like legit. And I've probably probably been doing that for like two years now. Um, yeah, a little bit of it was health, but more, you know, more I wanted to, um, I'm very, I, I wanted to kind of, um, try to live like a, a healthy lifestyle more or less, you know? Um, and I think that diet plays a really big piece in that. Um, I've even tried, I was vegetarian for a while for a pretty good stint. And, um, and I think more, I, I decided that I wanted to try out going vegetarian more for like environmental reasons uh, uh -huh. and for health reasons too. But yeah, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've just kind of realized how important it is to make sure that you're taking care of your body. And, um, and I feel great. You know, I feel, I feel better. I'm trying to get back into working out. It's tough with all this damn COVID stuff to get into the gym and whatnot. But um, yeah, overall, I, I'm, I'm, I don't really think I'll ever go back to it, to be honest with you. Do, uh, does, do you find it easier to be, um, healthy and to be, I don't want to say strict, but like to stick to, you know, the diet that you're going, I don't even want to say diet, but like stick to making the right food choices, um, and stuff like that, because you once played a sport and your performance was kind of in a way directly related to what you ate and you've always ate super healthy to begin with. So do you find it? Um, no, hear me? I think, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, my bad. Let me ask that again. Cause I just got a call. Hold up. I'm going to have to cut this out. Hang on. Um, uh, recording a podcast right now. I'll call you back after. Um, okay. So I'll just ask that again from the top, but so do you find is, uh, do you find as though like eating healthy and taking care of your health, um, 
comes a little bit easier to you because you had to do it so much with, um, you know, at the Air Force playing lacrosse, top shape as a D1 athlete, or do you find it to be a struggle uh, like most people do? Because I know I te- I like to eat super healthy and stuff like that just because I like to f- I feel better. And I don't really find it a struggle at all just because we had to do it anyways when we were in college. So it's like kind of just getting back to old ways. Like, what do you think about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it was uh, I was pretty used to eating healthy and pretty regimented uh, growing up. I mean, I was like, I mean, I'm sure everybody was like this that we were playing the cross with but you know chicken and rice and broccoli and like every day right like that's uh-huh. literally be the diet um and so yeah i think eating healthy was pretty easy for me um and it still is right now and uh but i do i will be honest i i, I do have a sweet tooth so i am pretty no, big yeah i can't there's this place salt and straw if you come out we'll definitely have to check it out but there's this ice cream place in Portland and it is hands down the best ice cream in the entire country. I don't care what you try to put up against it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, occasionally I'll try to splurge every once in a while. <laughs> but you're making, you're making fucking wild claims like that. I'm going to have, oh. I'm definitely, I'm definitely holding you to it when I come out to visit. I, it is so popular. Uh, presidential candidates come out to actually go to this specific uh ice cream shop when they're in portland so yeah it it trust me it's worth it it's for sure damn now um something i wanted to bring up because you will never let me live it down to the day i die was i convinced <laughs> i convinced you to study abroad with me Oh, then, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so I convinced you to study abroad with me because I applied to study in Edinburgh, Scotland for 16 weeks. And then you didn't know what it was about. I kind of, you know, was like, hey, study abroad. Like, we don't got to be here for the fall. We could still play lax and, and all that. And kind of just the whole notion of like, I went to Spain before. And I had the time of my life. So I was like, I definitely want to go back. And being with you, it would have just been hilarious. You apply, you get accepted. Me and you, uh, we're about to go to the meeting. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going because I'm transferring. And then you still like, <laughs> and you still ended up going through with it. So what, like, what made you end up like sticking to it? And that experience, could you talk a little bit about like what it was like for you? Mm-hmm. And is there anything that, you learned about yourself or um, you learned just about like life in general that from that trip, had you not gone to that trip, you wouldn't have uh, that you wouldn't have learned you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so it was one of, I'm happy that you convinced me to do it because it was one of the best experiences that I had ever done. And I'm, and I'm really happy that I decided to go through with it. Um, I'm more curious because people always ask me, how did I end up choosing Scotland? And I inevitably tell them because of you. So that always ends up being the answer. Why did you want to go to Scotland? All right. This is going to sound super weird, but I, out of all the choices, I thought it was the most like outrageous one. Like I literally thought I was like, Scotland, 
who the fuck would go to Scotland? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and honestly, all I was thinking about was just like, I, and this is going to sound bad to say, but all I was thinking about was just being hammered in one of those like little uh, kilts. And, yeah. and I was just like, that would be so outrageous. And I'm just like, it's just, it's different. Like you think of like London or even you think like England, Ireland, Ireland, Germany, Spain, like those are like, I would say like the, the more like household places that most people go when they travel abroad. And just Scotland was just so out there that I'm just like, yeah, Scotland seems like a good idea. I'm gonna do it. So it, it honestly was that because, um, and when I say this may sound weird is after I went to Spain, I was like in a culture shock from the perspective that obviously, you know, this, and you can talk more about it is there's nothing, nothing in Europe's resembles the United States in any way, shape or form. I, like there's nothing about Europe that is even remotely similar to the U S in my opinion. Um, and just having to learn about the culture, speaking, obviously speaking Spanish with the locals and then just get really getting like um, a feel for like, wow, like e- how we live in the U S is so different than this, that I, it just immediately sparked curiosity within me to go to some of the most outrageous places. And even though Scotland's not that outrageous, but like just travel as much as mm-hmm. possible and go to places that aren't well known to kind of, uh, to kind of just like learn and just to see what it's like. Um, because I've, I would say that from going to Spain, the first time I went, it's caused me to be extremely open-minded. And then obviously going to Hobart, that was a complete culture shock to me as well. And then obviously transferring to Mercyhurst there, I've noticed that ever since that Spain trip, I have always been in situations where it's completely outside the environment that I grew up in. It's the people are nothing like how my best friends are in terms of like, obviously like your best friends from home are nothing like your best friends from Hobart. So like, it was just that constant of like always learning. I looked at it as like a a way to learn about life in a way. So like, when I yeah. saw the list of places, I was like, Scotland. I'm like, I, I don't know anyone that's ever been to Scotland. And I don't even know anything about Scotland besides like golf, <laughs> if that's what you want to say. So I'm like, you know what? Scotland sounds cool. I'm going to go to Scotland. That's honestly how I picked it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Cause I've never heard that story before. And that um, makes a lot of sense actually about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, Scotland was, even though it is not one of the most like well-known places that people travel to, um, it is definitely one of the most beautiful. And it was what I liked most about Scotland myself uh, was two things. The people that I met there were amazing. And I have to give a shout out to my buddy, Mark, who's going to be listening to this later. He told me specifically to give him a shout out. Um, he, him and all of the other guys that I got the chance to meet when I was, um, living there, they made the experience unbelievable. I mean, and we definitely did do a lot of partying. Like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and you wouldn't believe how many nightclubs there are in Edinburgh. So it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but I think another part of it for me too was like being able to actually like see things that you, you can't see in the United States. Um, Like for example, the architecture is absolutely insane there. It is like 
it, it, it looks like somewhere from like medieval times. That's the best way I could describe it. There's like castles everywhere and there's legitimate like catacombs that you can go into. Um, a lot of people don't know that Scotland, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland is known as the most haunted city in the world. So everything looks very, um, yeah, it just looks very medieval. And I just think that that's super cool. And it's very unique to that particular city um, itself. So, yeah, I mean, those are a few of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, my time there. And, uh, and plus, it was, it was a good experience at the university, too. I actually really enjoyed it. So I went to the University of, of um, I went to Napier, Edinburgh, Napier, um, and studied. Which, wait, let me pause you real quick. Did you know, yeah. I mean, you probably do know, but for people that are listening, yeah. that is actually, I think, the, the sixth, fifth or sixth oldest school in, like, the entire world. So I think you're, so there's two different schools. I think you're thinking of, so I went to Edinburgh Napier University. You're thinking of University of Edinburgh. Oh, okay. Cause I know one is like one of, it's like, it's older than some of the Ivy League schools. Oh yeah. No, that school is super, super old. It's insane. So um, that's not the one you went to? No, no. Oh, I okay. To, I went to Nap- uh, Edinburgh Napier University. Um, and so that was, yeah, it was basically like a public university in Edinburgh and um, studied economics there. And it was way different than the experience that I had in the United States studying. Like when you, whenever you would go into the classroom, like the teacher didn't even really interact with you very much. Like at least at Hobart, it was a very, always like a very small, intimate environment and the teachers are usually very involved with the students' lives, and, not their lives, but, you know, very, they know them by name. Um, and, you know, they are kind of like checking in on them constantly. But when you're, when I was at school in Edinburgh, they didn't do that at all. And we would be in like massive classes. Um, and, you <clears throat> And the, the coursework was very different, too, because you'd only get, like, basically two big papers that you had to write, um, or you had, like, one big exam or two big exams, and that was it, and that was, ba- that was your entire grade, whereas in the U.S., it's a lot more common to have, like, small, like, almost like, I hate to use this term, but for lack of a better term, like, busy work that you're doing, like, all throughout the entire semester, um, so I actually really liked the way that the um, the classroom and the education system was set up there, to be honest with you. Was there anything that you learned while being there about yourself that you were like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that in the moment? Because like I said, like for me, I, until I went to Spain, I was so against like traveling. I was like, I don't really need to travel. I don't want to travel. Like, what's the point of it? And yeah. it opened my eyes to like realizing that really like there are so many people out there and there are so many different like environment experiences that you can really like learn more about like life and about yourself in. So that's what traveling did for me. But it wasn't until I went to Spain that I was like, oh, I actually enjoy this. I thought I wasn't about it forever. So like for you, was there anything, if there was anything that you kind of learned about yourself after going to Scotland? 
Yeah, no, I think it was that. It was that same thing that you're talking about, you know. I guess it's like the travel bug or, or what have, whatever. Um, but after that experience, that's when I knew that I wanted to spend a pretty significant portion of my life traveling. Um, I even have a book that I keep of um, 100 places to visit in a lifetime. And, um, yeah, so that's a big goal of mine is, like, I want to slowly kind of check a lot of those places off of my list. And, um, and I think Scotland really kind of kicked that off for me. I don't know if I would have necessarily decided to do that if, if it hadn't been for that experience. What now I, I don't like, obviously like I convinced you to go, but I'm not, I'm not trying to, I don't want to preface the question in the chance of like, Oh, you know, you had to be talked into it, but something that like, I'm really big on, like just asking people, cause I'm fascinated on like what the answer always is is what is your take on just saying fuck it and just trying something new and going for it because you ultimately don't know where that experience or opportunity is going to lead to and with that being said if it wasn't for me just picking up after college and being like mm-hmm. all right I'm gonna go to Boston and then Boston not working out and then being like all right you know what I'm gonna go to Denver and just go to Denver like I don't really have a plan I'm just gonna go I find as though that a lot of the opportunities and a lot of things that I have done since I would not be in that position or even have that opportunity if it wasn't for me initially looking back being like, fuck it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to go because I don't know. I'm just going to go see what happens. So like, what, what is your thought on saying fuck it and just taking a risk versus being, you know, kind of like, eh, do you feel as though that sometimes the best opportunities come after that initial fuck it? Or what is your thought on it? Yeah, uh, I would say I like growing up. I was definitely a lot more of I, I was definitely a lot more kind of willing to just go out on a limb. Um, as I've gotten a little bit older, I feel like I'm a, I try to be a little bit more calculated in the decisions that I'm making. Um, but I feel like at at a certain point, you just kind of have to make a leap. Um, in anything, you know, in anything that you're trying to do. Um, and the, the, you know, you could do as much research as you want on something, uh, but you're, you're not going to know until you actually try it out for yourself. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of the way that I think about it is like, maybe just do some p- preliminary research and like try to figure out what, um, you know, uh, as much as you can do. Um, but then from there, you just kind of either you have to do it or you don't, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Um, have you been out of the country since, uh, Scotland or no? I have, I actually went to Spain two years ago, uh, Barcelona and Portugal. How, how sick is Barcelona? Barcelona is very sick. Um, I went during the summer which was a very bad idea uh, because it was super duper hot. But um, ultimately, yeah, Barcelona is amazing. The food, it was probably one of my favorite things about Barcelona. Uh Uh, I really, really liked a lot of the uh, artwork. I got to go to like the Picasso Museum, which was insane. Um, and, you know, it's, it has a pretty crazy nightlife. That's what they're also known for. Um, <laughs> it's insane there. <laughs> yeah, like, people do, like, 
siestas and they'll like sleep during the middle of the day and then they'll just like wake up and like party like start partying at midnight and just like go all night I didn't after because I was doing a lot of sightseeing uh, at the time like going to like Gaudi and um, who's like a famous architect and I was like looking at a lot of that stuff so I was the Gaudi park is beautiful oh it's gorgeous it's gorgeous um so I was doing a lot of that stuff during the day. So I was like so tired by the end of the trip uh, that I uh, wasn't able really necessarily to go out all that much. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such an amazing place. If, if um, you know, it, I'd be willing to definitely go back uh, someday if I could. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, kind of like wrapping it up here, cause we've, we've been talking for quite some time and stuff. Um, from your experience at, I would say, transferring out of Air Force to going to Hobart to stop playing lacrosse to going and studying in Scotland because you got <laughs> you got convinced by me to do it. And then I left and then obviously taking the hike and going across the country in Portland. What is what would you say you have well one learned about yourself and then just learned about doing those things and taking the risk like do you think that they've uh if you were talking to your younger self that you would tell yourself to keep taking those calculated risks um or would you kind of dial it back to do different things or what what would you say there mm-hmm. yeah what i would tell my younger self I think I would tell my younger self to not, to not worry so much about whether you're making like the right decision or not. Um, and because I feel like uh, a lot of times growing up, I was very, I was very focused on like always trying to get, you know, good grades and like always trying uh, to, um, you know, um, trying to like perfect things as best as I could, but I, I think that it'd be more, it's more important to make sure that you're just kind of enjoying the ride along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's hard. It's easier said than done for sure. Um, But it's just kind of something that I try to do on my own um, throughout the day. And it's something that I've just recently been trying to get a lot better at doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So not just getting so bogged down and, you know, getting good grades and, um, you know, uh, always practicing as hardcore as I was doing, um, but really just kind of enjoying the time that you have while you're growing up and while you are, um, you know, while you're young. That's what I yeah. would probably. And one last question, because I feel so you'll have a good answer for this. Um, what is your take on enjoying your youth, youth versus destroying your future? Do you think that there is a gray area and fine line between that or do you just as like a question in of itself do you think is a stupid question no i think it's a good question um it's kind of what i was just talking about right there i guess um i think that it's important to make sure you're like trying to find a balance between the two you know like you want to try to enjoy and and that's kind of the art of it is like you want to enjoy your youth and you want to go out and have fun but you also want to make sure that you're 
you know, still getting shit done uh, with your schoolwork and with your athletic or, you know, or whatever you're doing for your extracurriculars. Um, and so it's like trying to find that proper balance and it's tough to do from a young age. Um, but I think that the better you can get at perfecting that, the more fulfilling your life will be um, in the long run. And, and I think that that doesn't ever stop. Like even as you get older, um, I feel like you, you are, are constantly trying to find that balance, especially when you, you know, maybe start to have a family um, and you're kind of juggling a lot of other things, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Now, what is, uh, what's, what's, what's in the future for you? Are you, mm-hmm. um, you staying in Portland long-term? You thinking of moving again? Like, what do you got going on next? Um, I think, I think for right now, I'm going to be staying in Portland, at least for the next probably, you know, few years. Um, but I think it would be cool to work in a big city, too, um, eventually down the road. Uh, I don't know what city I would want to work in, but, uh, yeah, I think that that would be pretty cool. Like, maybe going to, like, a big finance hub, I think, would be kind of cool. Um, but Wolf for, Wall Street. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's like you know, there's New York, there's Boston, there's um, there's Chicago. Uh, so probably you know, I, I would like to eventually maybe check out one of the, live in one of those big cities um, down the road. But like I said, for right now, like the foreseeable future, like years, I'm probably going to continue to remain in Portland because. I still have a lot to see in Portland and it's like, I feel like I've lived here. So I've lived here for only like three years and I feel like I've only scratched the surface of Mm -hmm. places to see um, even within the city itself. So I I still have a lot of exploring to do exploring that I want to do here uh, before I decide to relocate. Um, And then I think maybe down the road, potentially doing work abroad, if I could figure out how to finagle that, I don't Uh know going to be possible or not for me but um i'd love to try to do that at some point is uh buffalo not in the cards for you you know i i thought about i have thought about moving back to buffalo uh, a a few times um even after after school i mean i've thought about it a few times and I think what I miss most about Buffalo are, are just the people. Like I really do genuinely miss spending time with, because there's good people in Buffalo, man. Like, Oh, absolutely. Talk about like, I mean, it's the, it's the city of friendly neighbors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it really is true. Like you meet the most genuine people there. And I, um, and I miss a lot of those people, you know, I, I like, I follow a lot of, like you guys, like you and Frank and, um, and all of them on via social media. But, um, but yeah, the, the difficult thing about Buffalo for me is that there isn't much finance work there. Mm-hmm. So like, it's very difficult to get a job as a financial, um, as a financial planner there, unfortunately. And, um, that kind of limits me to certain cities that I can work in that are big finance hubs. Yeah, for sure. Which leads me, this is a perfect way to end it is uh, we got to give a shout out to the kid, Frankie B. He's going to be playing for 
he's going to be playing for the Whip Snakes alongside his boy Zed Williams. So, uh, yeah, we should actually try to get to a game this summer to see him. I would love that. That would be awesome. I'd be. Sure I know they're playing in Boston um, the very first week, and then I believe uh, the second or third week they're playing in Baltimore. But if they – I gotta actually. I'm gonna look up the schedule right now. Maybe the schedule's out there. PLL 20, 2021 schedule. Because maybe if they have something in Utah, I, we could like meet up. You know what I mean? Like halfway or, or something like that. Catch a game of his. Um, no, they don't. Okay, so we have. Let's see. Locations. We have. Um. Okay. Can I not find it? All right. Here we go. We have. Yeah, they go out to the West Coast, so they go out to L.A. Um, and San Jose. That's pretty much it. Okay. I could, I'd could. i be down to do either of those. Yes. Yeah. We just got to figure out when exactly, because I know um, he'd be able to have his – he'd be able to have his game, and then afterwards we'd probably all go out or do something. Oh, yeah. 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 No, no, that sounds like – that would be awesome. What? Yeah. Do you know a month? Um, Let me – let me look. PLL, Instagram. Um, let me see. Pull it up real quick. We have – I probably should have known this prior too, but um, let's see if they put the dates for the locations. Um, hang on. These are all their draft picks. No one cares about that. Location, location, location. Um Okay, let's see. They have – oh, they are doing Salt Lake City. Is that closer to you? That would be sick. Yeah. They have – okay, so August, August 20th, August 21st, and August – oh, that's the – my bad. That's the quarterfinals. So the quarterfinals is Salt Lake City. So if he makes it to the, the playoffs and the quarterfinals, we should definitely do Salt Lake City. But they're doing San Jose – oh, San Jose is the all-star game. And yeah, so it looks like Colorado Springs, which is like near like where Air Force is, yeah. that is the only that's the la, that's July thirtieth. Wait, he's on the Whip Snakes, so yeah, he plays the Water Dogs July thirty first. Otherwise, if they're in the finals in Salt Lake City, so let's just plan for them being in the playoffs because Salt Lake City would be sick, and that is the third weekend in august the 20th and 21st oh yeah i could do that for sure yeah so I'll we should definitely off, do that i'll take off a whole week to do that yeah because i would want to just get we an could... airbnb and and stay there for like a week or so yeah we could just check out I, i've always wanted to visit salt lake actually yeah i've never like i said i've never been out there but just from being out in denver and then like having knowing people that have hiked in utah and like gone to utah and stuff it's it's pretty sweet from yeah. pictures I've seen, at least. Yeah. But, uh, well, all right, dude. I know you're uh, super busy with everything you got going on, and obviously you're on the complete other side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so so I appreciate you doing this with me, and uh, it, it, it's been it's been a blast to catch up. And kind of ending it this way, this is – it's kind of like not weird, but a little weird to me because this is the most serious you and I have ever talked ever because usually we're <laughs> – <laughs> acting fools and like always like cracking jokes and shit like that so like it was a nice little change of pace yeah no thanks for having me on i'm 
I really like that you're uh, putting these podcasts together. I think that they're awesome. So yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, it's just pretty much all these podcasts. They have celebs on and stuff, and it's just like you know what? Like, why don't I just talk to people I know and that we can all relate to? Because I can't fucking relate to any celebrity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but, no, I love it. I mean, we get to talk about experiences and stuff that we never, uh, you know, never had the chance to talk about you and I together. So yeah. So and uh, maybe once the world opens up again, <laughs> we go to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> since I since I convinced you to go, and then just was like, yeah, peace out. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we'll we'll for sure figure something out. Do a backpacking trip sometime soon. For sure. So, all right, bro. Well, I'll let you go then. I appreciate you doing this with me. Yeah. All right, buddy. Have a good night. All right, y'all. I'll see you.